Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Primary Music Special, episode 81. Hello, this is Mark um, and Carol Aviard. Hello. Hi. So we are in Manchester and we're just recording from the Music and Drama Education Expo. We've been wandering around today looking at all the stalls and experiencing some of the workshops and what's your impression so far? We are having a really good day. I think this has been a really really good time, hasn't it? We've met some really, really nice people, looked at really good resources, met people behind the resources that we already knew before. It's been a really, really good day. So we've been going around, we've chatted to people from Chiranga, we've chatted to people from Out of the Ark, all of people that you will have heard on the Education on Fire podcast um, that I did on the, in season four. Um, the other really interesting thing is, is because of our primary music membership site, we've been talking to people who are really interested in what we've been doing mm-hmm. and really like yes. what we're going to be offering. And then also, in turn, really, going to be actually able to offer you some great deals and also mm-hmm. real some great customer service, really, in terms of yeah. the next step. And I think that's been really exciting. Yeah, it has been really exciting. We met some new people. Um, the percussion people, the samba people, were really, really good. I would like to get involved with them and you already knew one of those already didn't you it's a small world it turns <laughs> it turns out that mike and i were on a percussion workshop <laughs> week i'd like to say maybe less than 20 years ago but i think it, it might be the other back. side of 20. <laughs> <laughs> but yes i do remember mike and um and yeah it was a fantastic course actually that we did with um, mike skinner who used to be principal percussionist of the royal opera house and he took us through a whole load a whole range of stuff and um yeah that was a very very good time and a really great great week of learning um so what we're going to do now is we're going to go around some of the exhibition we're going to go and talk to some of these people that have been excited about what we're doing and get them to give you a bit of an inside track and what they can offer and and how we're going to develop working with them yeah let's do that So hello, I'm now joined by David Liggins and he's from the Ocarina Workshop. Hi David, thanks for joining me. Hello Mark, nice to meet you. So tell us a little bit about the what is the Ocarina Workshop and how did it come about? Well it came about because I was teaching in up until 1979 and then took a very good career move of backpacking around South America, exploring, getting out of the classroom and I suddenly discovered instruments and things that were, were way out of my knowledge and one instrument that is lost all around the world is little round flutes. And these are in museums in South America, no one knows what they are. When I got back to England, I went on a search, and by 1983, I'd found British makers who could make me round flutes that I could take into school. And uh, I very fortunately was broke at the time and living with my parents and needed to earn some money. So <laughs> I did any sort of single bloke stuff like supply teaching, uh, primary school, secondary school, adult education. And I literally used these new ocarinas with five-year-olds through to 80-year-olds and sometimes in a single group where grandparents and grandchildren were there. And it worked like a dream. So that was the 80s. Through the 90s, we got married and we really developed the business so that we could supply anywhere in the world, a lot to international schools. We developed from handwritten, beautiful, calligraphed um, music books 
which were calligraphed by one of the world's greatest, um, to computer, we were the, probably the first publishers of computer-generated music right. in Britain. And um, we had to spend more than our house was worth on Apple Mac computers and other gear. Um, and that meant that we had very high quality books from the word go, uh, and we kept them all under one roof. So since then, we've been publishing more and more music, teaching resources, with the aim that instead of people requesting an ocarina workshop from us in their school, they can actually just get things through the post from us and ring us for advice. And they've got materials put up on whiteboards to put in their children's hands and the teaching expertise they need. Um, main things we're concerned about are keeping music live in school and especially instrumental music and especially tuned instrumental music yeah. because um, there are plenty of opportunities for singing, plenty of opportunities for percussion, but not many tuned instruments are very easily accessible. Yeah. In fact, as a teacher who's taught huge numbers of classes in different age range, I don't know of any other instruments where I could con confidently go to the Royal Albert Hall in 2013 with 3,081 people, giving them all an instrument from scratch, and they play for seven minutes classical music continuously and win a Guinness World Record. Wow. So <laughs> it, it is an absolutely unique instrument with a very sweet sound. And as a flute player who has made disgusting noises from a proper orchestral flute for many years, I'm asthmatic as well, so I struggle to breathe. This instrument is unbelievable in the hands of children. Um, and uh, this is why we're here. We're, we're here partly to meet music teachers who are experienced. If they can get away from any bias or any preconceived ideas of flutes have to be tubular yep. or, or they have to look like orchestral instruments, um, then they'll soon learn that the educational principles of playing an ocarina are such that you are developing a child's all-round skills, not just musical skills, but um, skills of, of manipulation with their fingers, skills of listening, skills of breath control, whole range of things, yeah. uh, and, and of joining in together. So we, we just um, work on this from home. We've got a little business which supplies all around the world to international schools. We're not often out of the office because we have orders that pile up. Yeah. So if anyone ever asks for stuff, they guess it same day, next day, and it's put in, in the boxes by the directors of the company, which is David Liggins, Crystal Liggins. Uh, we're still happily married after all these years of ocarina work. Uh, but we do hope to tour the world a bit more and um, to see some of the excellent work that's going on. I should also say that in the hands of experienced music teachers, these things can be unbelievable. We've had groups that have won the Outstanding Performance Award at the National Festival of Music for Youth. Right. But equally, in the hands of a teacher who's reticent about music, who thinks this is all a bit beyond me, um, who might dare to do a bit of singing, but instruments are scary, we can actually supply something that any teacher in the quiet of their own home can manage to work out. Yeah. Or even if they fail, if they give one to a, a, an interesting kid aged nine or ten, the child will teach them. It's a very child-friendly instrument. Uh, and we even have schools where the CD-ROM software that's flashed up on the screen is allocated to the child in the class by rote. 
and children lead the music sessions. Right. And they decide what to play and they help the rest of the children to play. So it's child-friendly, child-centred, and any teacher can become a music teacher. Okay, if you're experienced, you may be a, a, a more complete music teacher and have more to bring to it. So for that reason, um, we are now preparing even more materials that not only help you to read music if you want to, and children to read, or to read from charts, which work with all children, even if they have learning difficulties, but we're also preparing materials that will take children all around the world so they can not only hear music from different cultures, they can join in. And so they can play their ocarina in African style or Egyptian style or Irish style. And also through the history of the world because the ocarina is a strange instrument. It's a very pure sound and it's a bit like uh, a very bland food where by itself it's fine but if you add spice the whole meal tastes spicy yep. or if you add something else it tastes of that culture so the ocarina it, you know if i played a tin whistle and i played african music it would sound irish if i played egyptian music it would sound irish if i play an ocarina and i play african music it sounds african because ocarinas come from africa from south america from asia yeah and our instrument blends so beautifully so that if we have really brilliant backings I can't lay claim to the brilliance of these because a friend of ours does these to a high quality then the children are playing music with genuine early music backing or lyre music from a thousand BC right yeah whole range so it really is that well, once you've sort of got the idea and once you've sort of got going, then we are able to open the world into your world of ocarina playing and all the resources that you have there, which is absolutely, absolutely. fantastic. So we're going to make sure we've got your details and links of how they can get in contact with you and all of that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So any teachers that want to really sort of take this to heart and, and get it going, we can make sure that they've got all your details and, and get you in can. touch. And the thing is, we care as well. We're a husband and wife team and we uh, people today have been gobsmacked, quite honestly. There's no other way of saying it because they've met us for the first time yeah. we've met them for the first time they've used our stuff for 15 years in fantastic ways and we've been learning as from them just as they've been learning from yeah, us fantastic well thank you so much for chatting to us David it's, okay. it's, it's been really lovely and, and chatting before as well we've sort of been around and, the, and the good luck really in well. editing all this waffle I've just uh, no, continuously it, but it's absolutely <laughs> fine it's really great like you said just to, to really get an idea of of the people behind the resources that we often have the opportunity to see I think that's that's the greatest gift of being here today so I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Great. Welcome back, and I'm now joined by Vicky Smith from the School's Printed Music Licence. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Um, can you just give us a little bit of, of background about what is it you're here to do and what is it you're trying to publicise? So we're just trying to give out information, really, and make teachers aware that, that they have a licence. So the licence scheme we have is the school's printed music licence uh, and that allows teachers to photocopy sheet music and also make arrangements of sheet music providing an original copy of the sheet music is owned. Uh, the problem that we have is that although the scheme's been running since 2013, not all teachers know that they have this licence or the opportunity to do that. So it really is, if you've bought some music which um, you're able to then use in your school. You can then arrange it and you can use it within your school for performances within your school. It just needs to be within the school confines rather than taking it out into, into the wider world. Yeah, so the licence is designed to help teachers uh, give students as much access to music education as possible and it means that they can 
make arrangements of that music, perform it uh, as long as it's part of uh, the collective education of the school, so it's part of educational activities of the school. Great, and, and also the photocopying was a big thing I picked up on earlier as well. It's the fact you can copy music if it's within that actual You licensing. can, yeah, as long as you own the original of the music, you can make as many photocopies as there are students in the class. That's absolutely fine. That's perfect. Thank you so much for chatting to us. You're welcome. We're now joined by Mike from Inspire Works, and Mike and I have a bit of a history because it turns out that I'd like to say that this side of 20 years, but it might be maybe slightly longer than that. I think it's slightly longer. <laughs> anyway, we won, a, we won a percussion course in Canford um, with Mike Skinner, who was then the principal percussionist of the Royal Opera House. Yeah. Um, and I remember I went on two or three of those courses, and they were absolutely amazing. They so. were brilliant. So great to sort of catch up again and, yeah. uh, and see you here. Um, so can you take us through what's Inspired Works and, and how did it come there from all that time when, when I knew you before? Yeah, okay. So um, I think after we met then, I studied percussion at Guildhall School of Music and Drama for four years, did the BMUS course there, and always thought I wanted to be an orchestral percussionist and then did it for a few years. And I think I found I wanted to play more notes than a classical percussionist yep. often does. <laughs> Uh, but at Guildhall we did loads of African drumming and lots of world music and then a couple of years after graduating um, I met my now wife Jackie and she's a theatre director and specialising as being a children's theatre director so she literally just came home from school one day and said let's give up our jobs go and live somewhere where music, dance and drama are closely linked and then stay as long as we can afford to stay learn what we can, buy as many resources as we can then come back to the UK and teach it as workshops. It's quite a specific vision. Um, I said, this sounds great. And we kind of worked out where should we go? And I said, let's go somewhere hot. Good <laughs> idea. <laughs> We're yes. When you can go anywhere. Yeah. So it turned out the music teacher at the school, she was teaching head of, head of dance and drama part-time at that point. He was um, married to an Indonesian lady and he's quite well known in the Indonesian gamelan world in the UK. And so he'd said about going to Bali because Bali... There, there's different styles of gamelan across the Indonesian islands. Balinese gamelan is really, really rhythmic, and there's some really clever stuff that happens in locking rhythms. So he said, you know, you as a percussionist, Mike, you'd love it. So we went there, and we fell on our feet, ended up living with a Balinese family. My teacher was a royal in the royal palace there, so I'd, I went to the, one of the royal palaces every day to have gamelan lessons, which is amazing. He so sorted out... Um, some instruments for us and we got a uh, gamelan set of instruments for 30 players made specially for us and that was great as well seeing you know seeing metals being molded into wow. the notes seeing gongs being made and things and we had my wife had lots of dance lessons there and shadow puppetry lessons as well and then that was kind of the birth of Inspireworks really we thought this is a great idea but I hope schools in the UK like it so we set up a very basic website and came back and we found it was very popular. I think the, the, there was a couple of things that were appealing. One was it was whole class, so we had enough instruments to take 30 children, and instantly that was very appealing rather than just half a class or a selection of children. But also, because we didn't have our own venue, we had to go into the schools, yeah, so we had to try and get a way that we could make our gamelan, which weighs just under a tonne, <laughs> to make it portable um, to get into schools for a day. So we did that, just the two of us, for a couple of years, got more and more popular, drew upon a lot of the African drumming that I'd learnt at Guildhall and added some of that into Inspireworks as well. And then over the years, we've just been adding more and more facilitators. So at this academic year, we've got 15 of us who are all specialists in different world music genres. So, for example, we've got two people who do Japanese taiko drumming for us. They're some of the UK leaders on Japanese taiko. We've also got South African gumboot dancers and 
Bollywood dancers and um, things like that as well. So it's always looking at different aspects of world music and always whole class right from early years. We've got a whole early years program we call our Drum Club Cafe right up to A-level and doing a lot of teacher training as well. So there's lots of stuff and you can probably hear in the background um, Mike's got um, a great sort of demonstration of all the stuff that's involved in and what it is now and that sort of takes us sort of really into the fact that there's this online presence as well that you can actually yeah. now that schools can get involved in as well. Yeah, so we've realised over the last 15 years we've been running it we have seen you know, a big shift in music education. I think 15 years ago there weren't really any djembes around. Now they're everywhere. Um, but you're still finding a lot of teachers are not quite sure what to do with them. So they might have a lot of African drums or samba drums, whatever. So we've also found, because we live near London and we've been very much based in London, the southeast, it's been hard for us to expand geographically with the model of one f facilitator visiting the school. Sure. So by putting everything online, it kind of meets the need of where teachers or schools already have drums and they, the, the children then drum along to our videos and all the learnings there, it's got Arts Award through it as well. But it also really helps us expand geographically and that's why we're here today in Manchester letting lots of people in the northwest know what we're doing. Absolutely, and we were chatting before and we think it really is that combination of there's nothing like having a facilitator come in and, and show exactly what it's all about. But that's not practical one sort of 30 or 33 weeks of the year or whatever yeah. it needs to be and also the fact that you can also then do it across your school you know with yeah. with the sort of the first access and that kind of ideas while they work great for the 10 weeks or so they might be in a school and for that particular class they're doing what about the rest of them you know whereas this yeah. is a way of actually embedding like a whole sort of culture of music yeah. within it really it is yeah and we had great fun when we filmed all the videos because filming them for the different ages we actually put some photographs underneath the camera of each age group. So for example, when we were doing the key stage one, we actually put photographs of five and six year old children underneath just to remind ourselves we are addressing this video to make sure our language is appropriate, our whole way we're delivering everything is appropriate for, for the children of that age range as well. It's great. And, and here on the stand today, you've got instruments and things that you're able to sort of support schools with as well yeah. if they need them. So it really is sort of, um, it's, it's not just the starting point, it's sort of everything that you would need yeah. if you're going into sort of um, world percussion and, and all of those different types of rhythms. And we'll make sure we've got all the links and all the contact details. And, and you've heard Mike chatting as well, so you'll have a real idea of, of the, the face and, and the voice behind InspireWorks. So thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure. Today. Pleasure. So I'm now joined by Dan and Jack, and they're from Norman's Music. Hello. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Hi. So, let's start with what is Norman's Music and, um, and what is it that you offer everybody? Uh, well, Norman's Music Instruments, uh, we've been running nearly six, 60 years next year um, and we specialise in supplying the education market, uh, musical instruments and accessories. And it's a really broad range of instruments, isn't it? From I mean, just yes. standing here, we've got brass instruments, oh, yes. we've got um, what we call primary percussion instruments, it really is across the board. Yeah, 100%. Um, initially, we started out, you know, going back 50 years as a traditional brass and woodwind dealer, um, and that's sort of still core to our roots. Uh, however, you know, that's all expanded now. You know, we, we do everything from, say, ukuleles, um, beginners percussion, drum kits, guitars, live sound, you know, you name it, we can get it. And so it really isn't a location issue. If, if they get in contact with you, you can make sure they get whatever it is that they would Oh, yeah, them. yeah, 100%. We are, you know, we're based in Burton-on-Trent, so Staffordshire, very central location, um, and we distribute all around the world. It's no problem whatsoever. 
And one of the things we were chatting about before is the fact that people that have been through our primary music membership will, will, will know that actually having done some ocarinas or having done some boomwhackers and that kind of thing, it's where to go next, it's where to go. And we were chatting before about maybe having the opportunity to actually make sure that you know exactly what it is that you might like when we sort of send them in, in, in your direction, having actually decided that actually the workshops we've done have been really good and the kids have loved it and they want to expand a bit further. I think... What, what, what we find is a lot of the time, like, like you mentioned earlier, teachers, you know, they're, they're not music teachers, they're not teaching, music isn't there, they might not even know anything about music. So having access to, you know, uh, information of how to teach music, first of all, but then actually that it's that next step. Well, uh, okay, now I know, where do I get the stuff from? And how can, you know, am I getting a good, is it a good price? Is, is the stuff high quality? And that's where we come in to try and, you know, make sure that all the products that we get, they're tested. They go out to schools and music services, so we make sure that what we're getting is, I suppose, fit for purpose, maybe is the, the terminology to use. And then we know that we're 100% confident in selling high quality instruments and accessories. And it's not just a case of us for just, you know, we don't just want to sell anything. It's actually selling good, good products that we know that actually is going to help the young musicians of today and of the future to, to progress within music, because that's... That's, that's what we're all about. We're all musicians, so that's what we want. Absolutely, and we know in schools things have a habit of, um, of not staying in their pristine condition all the time. So like I say, the quality is a really important issue that we actually have. And, um, and Carol will test, um, testify to this, that having had a clarinet that um, needed repairing, she, she raves all the time about what a great customer service job you did and got it fixed and all of that sort of thing. So it really is um, important for us to make sure that, you know, actually the sort of people that we can work with and send you to from as a teacher you know you, you feel confident that actually it really is the way forward and you can just literally get what you need with the service that you need as well yeah sure i mean we've i worked in the customer service side as well as the sales side so i kind of did a bit of a, should i say an apprenticeship in one side <laughs> and then did a bit of both so i used to deal with stuff like the repairs even warranty repairs and things like that. and it's quite a good system we've got i mean it's a very good communication i think we pride ourselves on that um got like a centralised ticket system so if you rang up and said oh how's my like clarinet getting on for repair you've probably got a ticket number I can look at it you can look at it our directors can look at it so it's quite an open book and we actually we try and you know, offer the same service across the board so you know and link things in so you know if you say the school did have a clarinet repair and they want to then buy some cushion, oh well we'll just send it out together yeah it's not a problem like we can do that so it's yeah we've got quite a close-knit team of it's not as many as probably people think because about six of us in the sales team and then three and four in support kind of area so it's not a massive team but said we, we do cover a lot of ground yeah and it's really nice to sort of be able to put well certainly a voice to the to the name and the organization yeah. uh, having been here and uh, i think that's really key that people feel like you know the human element rather than there are lots of websites yeah, to visit, and even if the websites are fantastic actually to know that there are real people behind with real real important customer service and, and really wanting to do the best for their customers is oh, really definitely great. yeah definitely well, thanks both for chatting to me. It's been really, really nice catching up. And, yeah, no uh, problem, the pleasure. And, and both had sort of a face to the name and all of that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah um, definitely. And we'll be in touch soon. Yes. Hello, and I'm now joined by Charles McDougall, who's from the Voices Foundation. Thanks very much for chatting to us. Hi there, Mark. Hi. So can you tell us a little bit about what is the Voices Foundation and where do you sort of fit in within the organisation? Absolutely. The Voices Foundation is an organisation that aims to really get uh, every child and every teacher in every school 
singing. And that's done um, through uh, various means, done through classroom musicianship, where practitioners go in and they work with the children and the teacher to um, just get the children singing and, and feeling rhythm and feeling pitch. Um, and alongside that runs the training for the staff. And also there's a choral element to the work that we do as well where we aim to really grow the classroom musicianship into year group choirs and whole school singing in singing assemblies and also aspirational choirs sort of right at the top of the top of the school and we have CBD for that too. Where I fit into it is that I'm um, one of the choral directors for the Voices Foundation. I spend a lot of my time visiting choirs and working with the choir to improve their sound but also with the teacher in charge of the choir to help them develop their skills as trainers of the voice and as and as directors as choir directors right so does it start for people who are just getting singing going in schools to begin with and all the way through to the choirs or was it just that if you've got a choir already that you'll come in and help them out? No, it's, um, it can start right at the, the very beginning and some of the, one of the wonderful things that the musicianship strand offers is building children up right from the word go to f feeling pitch, feeling rhythm, having never really engaged with that before. And also with the teachers, they don't have to be specialists, they can be generalist teachers because they can be learning as they go as well. But we find that that method of training right from the bottom up really then feeds into the choir. Likewise, or rather alternatively I suppose, we also are able to go in in places that have choirs, have really strong choirs, and use that choir to champion singing in the school and perhaps work backwards into year group singing and then classroom singing. And do you find what's the biggest hurdle that some teachers find? Is it confidence? Is it repertoire? Is it a way of getting the standards higher? What's the thing you come across the most? Certainly, I think for speaking for my colleagues who spend a lot of their time in the classroom with the musicianship side of things in, in the classroom, it's um, just simple fear of the voice and the idea that actually singing is an incredibly personal thing and perhaps a little bit terrifying at times. So getting them to f feel confident that they can model a song and getting them to feel like they can engage with feeling pitch and, and feeling rhythm. On my side of things, which I know a, a fair bit more about, it tends to be that the people who often stand in front of choirs have been given the choir because they're the most musical person in the school. And actually, being a great musician isn't necessarily the only qualification you need to be able to stand up, and that's a confident confidence issue, yeah. stand up in front of choirs, to feel that you can inhabit the role of director and, and give all of those signals and all of that energy and all of that charisma that's actually required to get a large group of kids singing. So what's your sort of overall end game if you, if you had one? Is it just to sort of build on the, on the skills that they need, whether they're starting at the beginning or getting a final performance, or, or is it just about the confidence? Or What would you say is the overall objective, really? I think one of the things that we try to do with all of the staff that we meet is, is remember that they are incredibly skilled and we want to build on the assets they already have. Now, sometimes that's actually just about uncovering that skill. They yeah. have it already, but they didn't know that they did, or they didn't know they were good at pitching, or they didn't actually realize that their sense of pulse was actually very strong, um, or that they had the confidence to actually stand up and direct a choir. But you know, all of that is wrapped up in empowering them and making them feel more confident and letting them know that actually it's okay to make mistakes along the way because we're all in a process of learning the whole time. And so, yeah, I think confidence is a really important thing as well as 
trying to embed those underlying skills for them yeah. so that they feel they can be masters of the craft. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for chatting to me. It's Thanks, it's been, it's been a pleasure. really great just to find out a bit more information and, and we'll have all the details and stuff on the website so people can check out exactly See. what you're doing. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.